Is it that time again already? I guess so. Well, as usual, a lot of things have happened since I last made an episode recording. Oh my goodness. So what I'm doing right now is relaxing finally with a sour beer, which is, it turns out, easier to get than I had originally thought out here in Texas. It was pretty hard to get sour beers in California, Southern California, Um, but out here it's proving a little more easy, although what I've found in the area that I'm in, I tend to buy up the things that I like and they don't necessarily always get replenished right away, they get replaced with other things. So just being a small, like a smaller rural kind of a community, that is partly why, but also because of obviously the food shortages with the scamdemic trucking and shipping shutdowns and lockdowns and yeah, all that stuff, which is probably going to get worse um, because of the energy issue with what the administration, the resident is pulling with American energy. Just, um, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. You can go look into it if you want. Just ignore the mainstream media. It's all fake. It's lies, proven lies. Um, you know, if you want to find out what's really going on, but, um, and I advise you to, because it's kind of important. (laughs) Um, let's see. So things that I've done, I'm sitting in a set, a little outdoor seating set that I purchased. And it was kind of um, something I hemmed and hawed over because I'm not used to buying things for myself that I really like and want. Um, I don't know why that is, probably just from my upbringing. But I went ahead and did this because I knew that it was really important and would make things more comfortable and make me happy. And that's really actually something that I'm starting to try to value more is my own happiness instead of just kind of looking at the bare minimum of what, you know, um, is needed or whatever, you know, um, and looking at certain things as frivolous, even though they're actually really something that's kind of important to me. And I think I talked about this in a previous episode, maybe last season about just encouraging any of you who are listening, um, you know, if you're not already to find out what makes you happy and to make that important if you're not already doing that. So anyway, I did that with this little set and it's pretty low to the ground, which I like and has pretty good ergonomics. I had this pillow that I just didn't want to throw away. It was a patio pillow that I bought um, in Altadena and it's really cheery with bright yellow colors and it has the word summer on it. And I had had it in my hammock out there and it's outdoor, you know, waterproof and everything. So I decided to take it with me, but I didn't have a, like a, an idea what to do with it. So I just kept it in the cab of the RV all this time and really just, I don't know. I don't know why I kept it. And then, so I was sitting down in my new chair set and I was thinking, you know, this is pretty comfortable, but it needs a pillow. I wonder if that pillow would be too big. And so I went and got it and it turns out it's perfect. And it's the color scheme that I like, which is that sunny color yellow. So I guess that's what that pillow was. It came with me for. <laughs> and I've got my little little side table here between the two chairs. And um, one of the other big benefits of this is now I can invite 
someone over. I can invite one of my new friends over to come and sit, share a beer, and gaze at the gorgeous vista, the panoramic 360 degree. Well, we can't really see 360 from here because the RV's in the way, but we can look out to the northeast and to the east and also to the southeast and it's into the north and to the south <laughs> and it's really beautiful and the other benefit of where I've placed these on the east side near the southeast post of my shade structure is that it's got really nice shade in the afternoons when the western sun comes barreling in and pretty much kind of makes it so that there's nowhere you can really sit that's in the shade. Um, that's going to change because I bought a full seating set with like a couch and a, or it's like a love seat and two chairs and a little coffee table. And I'm going to put that in the southwest corner where it's going to be in the shade of the two big tanks that I have, the two big rainwater tanks. So come, you know, late afternoon when you're like, all you want to do is sit down in the shade with a cold beer. Um, it'll be in that little spot. Um, and that actually brings me to feng shui. I've done feng shui for probably maybe 15 years now, just informally for myself. And I do, I do sometimes use it in landscape design just as kind of a free add on because I, you know, it, it makes sense, um, in certain cases to do that. Well, I, um, I won't talk about directly what I'm thinking about because I, I mean, it's still really raw and I have to process it. But um, Feng Shui has come to the forefront of my mind recently because there's a part of my RV that happens to be in a very important gua where there are several things that are totally broken and not, not very in very good shape and have been frustrating me for a long time. And even people I hired and paid money to fix didn't fix correctly. So it reflects some events in that area of my life. And I've kind of just put two and two together and was like, Oh, duh. Okay. I need to prioritize fixing these things. <laughs> so I'm working on that. But the gua of the shade structure where the seating set is going to go is going to be the relationship gua. And I picked that seating set because it does have a love seat. So it does kind of talk to, romance and partnership, but it also has this, you know, these two chairs and it's, it's a set. So it really is all about creating the energy of bringing people over, inviting people over to my space, having the facilities to be able to do that. And I also got some nice lighting, some curtain lighting, um, that I think will make the space look really cool if I do have people over and it's on its way. It hasn't come yet, but I've ordered a bar. My stools did come. I had ordered those separately. Um, but I did order a bar because I would like to entertain. And I think that that kind of completes, you know, the activity of like, you're inviting people over to do what exactly. Right. So that's going to be awesome. Um, but I am looking at Feng Shui a little bit and the, the system that I use is called Black Hat. I was asked this recently by somebody, I don't remember who, I think it was a, a client or a potential client. Um, and she's into like a million and one modalities and was asking all these things and she wanted to know which modality I use. And I don't use compass. I use black hat. So basically it applies to different, any, basically any room you can take. I'm going to walk over while I'm talking because I can hear the dog getting into trouble. What are you doing little buddy? <laughs> she's usually just tangled. Oh yeah. Oh, horribly tangled. Oh my God. Um, I have her on a longer leash so she can hang out with me in the shade and she's managed to turn that into being completely tangled with boxes and pallets and hay bales and even like columns of the shade structure. <laughs> it's pretty creative, really. If you, if, if I really think about it, you're, you're doing, you're doing a pretty well creatively here in finding ways to get tangled. 
Okay, there we go. So now she's free. Yay! Um, <laughs> you just hang out with me. So Feng Shui. Um, so basically what it, how the, the modality I use works is that you look at any space, whether it be a room or a whole house, or in this case a shade structure or an RV, and the entry is always in the career gua, and you just basically lay the, the bagua over your space with the entry to that space always in the career gua. And that's how I've always done it, and it's always worked really well and made a difference for me. And so um, I am kind of looking at both the RV now that I've had some time to kind of get settled a little bit and move forward on initiatives. And then I'm also looking at the, the shade structure. So I'll give you updates more as that progresses, but um, I've got some cool things in the works with that. Um, so I had some big things happen this week, as I knew would probably happen. I The man who sold me the small camper that I'll be using for a B&B helped me uh, site the, the, the camper. I basically chose where I wanted it. He moved it there, and I had spent the day before clearing the area so that there is now an entry driveway, so to speak, or a road in. Um, it's funny that my contractor charged me a significant amount of money to build me a quote-unquote driveway. When really all that means is that he took a bulldozer and drove into my property because <laughs> I just by hand moved all these plants. I wanted to see if I could transplant them. Um, I'm not able to water them right now. They're, they're creosote bush. They just thrive in the most dry conditions. Um, so we'll see if they make it. I did foliar spray with my first Bokashi liquid, which is another thing that happened last week. Um, I got my first liquid from Bokashi. I spoke to the owner of the company that I had purchased the kits from only because he actually reached out and called me. Um, I think I wrote him with a question. I don't remember how that got started. Maybe he sent something to me. I don't know, but he was amazing. He actually like called me and we spoke on the phone one-on-one -on -one, and I was really impressed with his customer service because a lot of companies in particular in light of the scandemic have just lost all sense of customer service completely and it's really rare to meet someone with such a high highly attuned sense of how to treat customers so um anyway he kind of was talking about like how to get liquid out of it because you really should be getting liquid and that's a really important kind of side bonus of the doing the bokashi so for the kitchen kit you're, you have little spigots and I wasn't getting any liquid. And I think what it was, was I really was unclear on the timing. I had lost my instructions after setting it up. Who knows where they are? They may have blown away. And, um, I was giving it like a week and then I tried 10 days and I just like really was confused. So he clarified it's actually two weeks and that helped me because in conditions where it was getting below or at freezing every once in a while, um, a few weeks ago, he said that that slows it down. It doesn't stop it. It just starts again when it warms up again, but it could, you know, it, it really would slow down the fermentation. So I learned a lot from that. It was really cool. He told me what to look for. Like this white growth on it is mycelium and that's really good. That's what you're looking for. And it turned out right after talking with him, I discovered that the pet Bokashi that I'm using, that had the fungus on it, which means it's working. And then the kitchen one gave me liquid. So I did what he suggested, which was literally just to tilt it and slosh it. <laughs> so I got my liquid, I diluted it, and I turned it into a foliar spray. 
and I sprayed all the transplants that I did because I moved quite a few of the salt bush. And there were two little forbs, perennial forbs, that I also ended up having to move. But we got the little camper sighted, and it's so cute. And I've got a little clearing, and my shade sale arrived, and I have my posts already. Um, I'm probably going to paint them or seal them in some way. I need to cut them down a little bit because they're 14 feet long. And um, I need to do the concrete footings, and I'm probably going to do a, a bentonite footing. So I'm going to mix cement with bentonite and water. And I have a ratio that I found after many, many attempts to find information on that. I finally found something and I'm going to use that because it's a free material that I have abundance of and it stretches the cement quite a bit. So makes it cost less. Um, and so I'm pretty much ready to go with that. I also have the table and chairs and my paint arrived today. My decor arrived uh, the last time I went to pick up packages. And so I think I have everything I need and my fabric also to reupholster the cushioning to get this started. I think I'm going to possibly do it. Uh, the solar panel off my RV onto the camper potentially. Um, but I'll have to work out those details. I just was on a walk this morning and ended up my dog ran over to one of the Airbnbs at the end of the road and this man who'd been there the last time we went on a walk was offering her ham and, you know, he caught her for me and we had a nice conversation and I just kind of asked about what they were enjoying and was it an outhouse or was it a compost toilet and apparently it was just an outhouse, which is what I suspected and there's just like five gallons of water and like a gas, so, you know, propane. So I forgot to ask about light and, and heat. Um, I wish I would have asked that. I was like, oh man. But, um, so anyway, um, that's really awesome. Got that done. That's getting, it's moving along very quickly. Really excited about that. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to save the conversation about desert floor lichen for another episode. And I'm just looking at, I actually made a list this time. I never do that. I just wing it. So this time I'm like, there's going to be so much that's going to happen. I need to start keeping a list of what happened so I can really not leave anything out. (laughs) Um, So I was uh, joyful to discover that one of my perennial vegetables is not dead. Um, I thought it was. It was on the brink and it came back and it's got good new leaves now and yay. Um, by the way, I did sing in the greenhouse. I sang some spontaneous songs and the next day I checked and things were happening that weren't happening before that. So I do believe that that matters. Um, plants like it when you sing to them, just like cats and dogs. Um, and so I did that. Um, and then some of the little like rooted cuttings that I purchased and had mailed to me, they ended up the way that I get notified. Sometimes it's really off. It's usually really off. Actually, I've got it down to where it's kind of a science where usually when it says it's been delivered, it means it's will be delivered in two days for some reason. Um, that tends to work, but this was off by four days and they sat out in the mail, you know, sitting there in that package for four days. So when I opened them, finally, when I got to them and opened them, they were, the roots were really dry. Um, and this was a perennial variety of a leafy green. And so I was concerned about them. It looks like two of those were dead on arrival, but six of them were fine. And then 
I was pretty disappointed. The seller was really aggro. She just like kind of a nut job living in Portland. So I'm not surprised there. Um, but really, really aggressive and, and negative. And like, even in her posting, which I read later, she was like going off about how it's not her fault if something doesn't work for you and it. And it was just like all caps. And I was like, Oh God, what in the hell? <laughs> but it turns out that I had ordered rooted cuttings, but apparently she had some fine print somewhere in her listing that said that if they don't have rooted, they'll just send you cuttings. And I was, I got cuttings without roots. So I was really kind of bummed out, but I got Rutone or whatever. I don't think it's Rutone. I think it's some kind of hormone equivalent. Um, I don't really like it that much. It's like this purple gel stuff. I prefer the powder. But anyway, I got that on them and I put them in the greenhouse and pots and they seem to be alive. So that's really the sign I'm looking for. If they're alive, they're probably going to make roots. Um, are you trapped again? Oh, <laughs> she just like sits there like, oh, I don't know how to get out. She's basically wrapped the leash thing around her zipline around a bush. <laughs> she's fine um so anyway um that's that um I'm gonna skip something I wanted to talk about it's a little bit kind of just eh, I feel like it's been resolved it was a weird conversation I had um one wonderful thing is that the birds are hanging out and just uh, they're just everywhere they're coming into my structure they're venturing forth into the ground they're coming into what I'll tell you about in a second, this area that I just created the other day and their bird song is wonderful and it's just so beautiful. It's what I'm used to and it's, um, it wasn't happening when I first got here. So I've brought that back and it's, I don't know if you can even hear some of it that might be going on in the background now, but it's just really special and important to me to hear bird song. And the area I'm in is a migratory path. So we get like this huge diversity of birds. So I'm giving them really high quality, very like kind of the most diverse mix I could find with, you know, peanuts and sunflower seeds and not just millet, you know. Um, my work hat blew away. It was, we had a really windy day one day and unfortunately I left my hat hung on a peg outside the RV and it was gone when I came outside. But luckily I had another hat. So now I'm wearing that other hat, but it tends to blow up. It's not a sturdy brim. So I am getting kind of a little bit sunburned, which is not good. Um, and my major shade cloth, which is Illuminate, which I used out at Burning Man, not the same piece, but I, I tested an 80% piece of Illuminate and slept until noon every day, all week out at Burning Man. So this place is a lot like Burning Man. So I, I feel like, you know, that was something important for me. And I brought some, uh, three big sheets of that out here. It's pretty expensive stuff, but it's really worth it. It really does the job much better than shade cloth. And um, that's actually being worn down and, sh and fragmenting because of how it's been installed. So I'm really hoping to borrow a ladder um, so I can drill some holes um, at the top of the purlins for my structure and really attach it properly. Plus, it'll look a lot better. So I'm just kind of hoping that actually happens. I've asked and I'm kind of waiting on some slacky um, contractors. <laughs> um, I got my Texas plates done. I had to go get a special inspection and that was really lovely. The people were wonderful, really nice, and they were quick and they, I had only cost $31, which blew my mind. And I got this, um, license plate, rear license plate light that I didn't even know existed. Um, and never had to do in California apparently, but here you have to have one. Um, so I have my plates. I need to install them. I ordered a kit cause the, um, kit that I used in California, I have no idea where those were. It's like non-standard. Um, and I have a, an appointment to get my driver's license. So that's exciting. 
getting all this stuff kind of going. It's taking a long time, but it's happening. Um, and then I got my automobile insurance transferred and, um, finally it was really hard to get a hold of anybody. They didn't follow up and they didn't like respond back after they said they would and just things like that. Just really taking forever. I finally got a hold of a really nice lady. She handled it during the call and my rate is less than half of what I guess the specialty program I must, I was like automatically signed up for in California was. So I was like, wow, awesome. Yay. I thought it was going to be way more. Um, and then another really important thing um, is I've made a connection with a developer out here. And he is he and I get along really well. And he's kind of like me in the sense that he's an entrepreneur. He's just filled with really great ideas all the time. And um, he just thinks like me. Um, when I got my master's degree in fine art and MFA, I was thinking already about like, how do I monetize this? I don't want to just make art because it's pretty. I want to make it and sell it, you know, which I do plan on setting up once I get all settled out here. Um, but he thinks like that too, where it's like, you know, how can you monetize this instead of just having it be one purpose? You know, let's multiply, multiply the, the value and yada, yada, yada. So we get along great. We have these long conversations whenever we meet. And um, he gave me this idea about how to build a house. And I had brought it up to him because the contractor that had said he was going to help me build this house, um, I, he, he's just so flaky. I'm just really frustrated with him. And so I didn't feel like I could really rely on him when it came to something so complicated. So I just kind of made the comment to this other, to this developer that I made friends with. And he, I was like, do you, th do you think that it's feasible and would you be available or interested in, you know, maybe just helping guide me and mentor me and I can do the work unless there's something I can't do. Maybe you could step in and do that part of it, but I would be mostly doing it, but just with your guidance of how to do this for under $10,000. And he said, he said yes. And he said he's interested. So he immediately started talking about methods and I'm really excited because I can use my dirt. I really wanted to use my dirt, um, for something, <laughs> anything, lots of things, but there's just so much of it, you know, and it's, um, it's a resource and it's valuable. It's not just dirt, it's bentonite. And there's a lot of things you can do with bentonite. Um, so I am going to be able to use the bentonite to build a house. So I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, I need to, there's so many other things I need to get done before I get started on that. But now I kind of have it in my head. I know what it's going to be made out of. And it's a lot better solution than the other, than the contractor had come up with. I like the contractor solution, but this is just much more within my control and hands-on and far, I mean, it's, the materials are free in a lot of cases. So it's really exciting. And, and the developer, I love how he thinks he was like, yeah, once you learn how to build one house, once you build your house, you're going to keep building houses because it's so easy and so cheap. And then he was talking about how, you know, again, you, you'll be buying more land and you'll be putting houses on them and pretty soon you'll be selling. And I'm like, Hmm. <laughs> I like how this guy thinks, right? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was pretty exciting. And we'll, I'll definitely keep you posted on how all of that goes. Um, today was really kind of a fun day because I spent the majority of the day in my greenhouse. Um, that greenhouse, I spent 80 bucks on that greenhouse. And it was the best 80 bucks I think I may have ever spent because it's it saved my plants that I brought here um, from California when it was really cold. It was like I got here you know, really in the middle of winter and there were freezing, there were multiple times where we had frost. We went, you know, went below freezing and I was trying to use tarps, but then I'd have to come back, drive over here. I wasn't staying here yet on my land and had to like 
pull the tarps off so they could get light, you know, and then I switched to like clear kind of opaque tarp so that they could get some light and, but then they weren't getting water and it was just this whole mess. And I finally just like bought this cheap greenhouse. It looked how I wanted it to look. It had that structure where the wind would go over it. You know, it's got, it's very aerodynamic. Man, this greenhouse, it saved my plants. And now I'm, a, I'm using it for propagation, which is something I've never really ever gotten into. Um, it's a micro level, right? It's, I'm more involved in the planning and the macro level of the landscape. I'm not usually putting time into horticulture and, you know, a ton of time into gardening. I like gardening a lot. It's like one of my favorite things in the world, but I've never kind of had the time, um, or devoted the time to really get really good at it. But out here, I kind of want to, because, um, I believe that self-sufficiency is going to be a necessity in the times that are coming. And we're already in those times. I mean, they're getting, you could just see it clearly if you're kind of paying attention. So being able to grow food is, is very important to me right now. So anyway, I spent the day in the greenhouse and I took all the rooted cuttings that I had purchased and stuck in a bucket of water and have had in a bucket of water for months. <laughs> I took all of those and I potted them up and I used some of my dirt mixed with other things to create potting soil that um, I could use because I didn't have a bag of potting soil handy. And it's a lot, there are a lot of things in pots now in my greenhouse. And I have um, these shelves, luckily. I was able to move stuff around so that everything really fits. And I was also able to create these little labels because I ordered a pack of Sharpies. <laughs> and I was able to recycle or reuse uh, rather these little, I don't know what they are. They're like bamboo little sticks that I used to decorate when I was doing the RV Reno. And they're really cute and I glued them into place in certain areas and it just looks nice. But I had this, I had way too many of them and I just kept them because they're obviously a cool resource, but I had no idea what I would ever use them for. Well, when I was planting up, when I was potting up the pawpaw cuttings that I have, I was looking at how many there are and there's kind of too many for me. I don't think I need that many pawpaw. So I was thinking maybe I could take them into this flea mart. Uh, it's kind of like a flea market essentially that happens every, um, you know, twice a week in town. And I've been going there and, you know, it's funny, it, it's like thrifting is a blast. It's so fun. And I've been really wanting to connect with some thrift opportunities out here, but it completely given up hope that there was anything and then found this little flea market. And man, it's so awesome. I went to this one lady's booth and she was selling century plants for $2 with roots. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I bought, um, I think I bought five of them and then she threw in the, this rootlet thing, um, like a sprout that had a, had roots and just gave it to me. So I got, um, century plants for super cheap and I planted those, I believe it was yesterday and, um, really excited about those. I put those out near the road. Um, and so, um, I basically was able to pot up all the rooted cuttings, even the, the willows that I have. Um, they're a really hardy type of willow that grows really fast. Um, and I got hybrid poplar and Lombardi poplar. I've always loved Lombardi poplar. They just look like castles to me. And they don't have the huge canopy, but I kind of think that that's okay. You know, it's they have a place for sure. But um, I'm really excited that they're all finally in dirt rather than water because I think they really needed to get out of that water and get into the soil. So that's excellent. And then I was able to use these little bamboo sticks to create labels for them. So now everything's labeled and I, you know, I know what everything is. And I, so that means, you know, it can be really organized. And then if I do ever sell those pawpaw, then they're labeled. So I might take some stuff in. I think what I want to do, because it's just fun, I don't think it's going to be like this huge moneymaker, but I'm going to these flea markets anyway. I might bring 
cuttings that I create from my plants once they're mature and producing enough where I could take cuttings, um, you know, maybe even air layering and all kinds of fun stuff where I could be, um, have a small nursery operation. Cause the only guy selling plants is just selling these little four inch pot tomatoes and I don't need tomatoes. I got some already. So, you know, it would be really cool to have more of a diversity of plant life. And I can tie that possibly into an educational kind of component where I want to do workshops and show people how to use permaculture, especially out here. So anyway, it was just really fun. I also did this for the, so I've never done this before. I think once a very long time ago, I started seeds um, and it was kind of a failure. Um, I think I did it in like a windowsill with one of those trays with like the little plastic thing that goes over it but this is in a greenhouse so there's this really it's a totally different thing the greenhouse is like a propagation you know center it's wonderful so um i took a number of seeds and i basically you know used my little peat pot tray that i bought which i've never used before um and i went ahead and got several species in there and what I'll what I think I'm going to do is just buy more little peat pellet things to re to reuse that over and over because I you know I have far more seeds than I had um space in the little tray but you know it's so but it's okay though because I got the main species that I really want to you know propagate so they're things that I couldn't get live cuttings or or live trees of and so what I started was seeds for acacia hickory Desert willow, crepe myrtle, and eucalyptus. Um, those are trees that I really feel I, I just like and that grow out here. There are, you can, I can see eucalyptus spotting the landscape in certain parts of, you know, closer to kind of in town. And I was blown away when I first saw them because they were the only green tree in the landscape and they were really big. And I thought, what are those? And I had to get up close to see that they were eucalyptus. Um, and I love eucalyptus. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area and eucalyptus is abundant there, even though it's not native. It's still just, um, I just kind of have a fondness for it. And it's a beautiful tree and it does really well out here in this environment. So I'm very excited about growing that. Um, and then I love desert willow. They're very beautiful. And I've always, always loved acacia since I was a little girl. There was a little kid that I grew up with whose name was acacia. So there's that. And then just, I just, it just reminds me of home back when I was a little kid. So I've been wanting to grow acacia for a very long time. And so I'm definitely going to do that. And it also is nitrogen fixing. So it's going to really help the land, um, as well as be beautiful and nostalgic. And then crepe myrtle, I've always, I've also always loved. It's just like, it grows in such dry environments with very little maintenance and it's gorgeous in my opinion. And there's so many different varieties of it. So I got like a probably way more than I'll ever use master pack of like, of, you know, just a whole range of different crepe myrtles. So I have no idea what it's going to be. But that's kind of the fun of it. If anything else, I'm going to run out of, like, I'm going to have too many seeds. So maybe I really should have a little nursery operation and be just continually propagating so that I can, you know, sell all this excess that I have. Because I think that seeds are only viable for a certain number of years unless you put them in deep freeze, which I guess I could also do. Um, So that's pretty much what I worked on. Um, The only other thing, yeah, I think that's really it. I have are you stuck you need me to get you unstuck (laughs) she's tired of being (laughs) she's so funny 
um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it really. Um, the, I had a really nice conversation at the, um, there's a Legion outpost, American Legion outpost near here. And I like the, like that place a lot. So I like to go there and get a beer, like occasionally, maybe once a week or once every two weeks. And, uh, hello. And, um, I went there on Thursday and had a really great conversation with this man who used to be in the uh, movie industry in Los Angeles, surprisingly. And he's the the captain of it. So he, um, he and I have always gotten along since the first day we met and, uh, yeah, it was really nice. And I, you know, I appreciated it. It's very rare to find someone who will actually listen to you. And he was a good listener. And I had something that I was really feeling kind of raw about. And like I mentioned, I kind of touched on it earlier and, uh, he was a really good listener. So I was very grateful. It was a really, um, great, it was a good night, you know, being out here in the boonies is, it's nice to go kind of touch civilization every once in a while. So, um, so that's pretty much it, um, on deck for, next for the next week um pretty much it as far as what I've already done or what happened last week but on deck for this coming week I believe we're going to be finishing the wetland components tomorrow it was supposed to happen today but at least the contractor after I talked to him um, about it he started updating me and giving me more information and telling me why he didn't show up today (laughs) talk about low standards um no, he, he was out of, he couldn't, he didn't have the parts he needed and he had to, so he has to order this and that and whatever. It's fine. But he said he's coming tomorrow to finish it. Um, he did install the pressurized spigot on my, uh, power shed, power and water shed and the filters I believe are coming tomorrow. So the, you know, there's going to be filters attached to the pump. Um, so I will have pressurized water over on that side of the structure as well as the side that I'm sitting on right now. And He's going to raise my batteries off the concrete. I don't know why he installed them that way on the concrete. And when he, when I saw that, I <clears throat> pointed it out that I really didn't feel comfortable with them being sitting, you know, sitting down there on the concrete. Um, I would really like them to be up on a shelf off the ground. And he told me that after I explained to him why, and I mentioned it to him, he actually changed the way he does it for all his clients. So where now he lifts them off the concrete for everybody. So he, he was like, yeah, that's a really good idea. I don't know why I thought about that before. Um, and so he's going to get that done. And the main thing that I'm really wanting though, is to get this wetland set up. Um, we have to basically figure out how to adhere the, the liner to the pipe. And we think we're going to basically just do it with a gasket kind of a thing. I don't know if that's what it's called, but, um, because we can't figure out what kind of glue to use because the liner is a different material than the PVC. And we just couldn't really find anything that specifically says that it will adhere those two materials together. I'm sure there is something out there. If you know, please let us know, but it might be too late by the time, you know, cause we're going to, I'm going to basically move forward with it once we get that, um, on there. And then I'm going to be drilling bigger holes in the barrels. It sucks because when I was drilling those holes, I'm like, ah, I'm never gonna have to do this again. I hate <laughs> And now and he looked at it and he, and I asked him, I was like, are these holes good? Like, are these spaced correctly? Like, what do you think? And he was like, I think they should be bigger. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so now I have to take a bigger drill bit and go over all my holes again. Ah, but anyway, and then we have to cut the barrels in half and then I've got the muslin. Um, it arrived a few weeks ago actually. And we're going to lay that over the barrels and then we're going to connect the pipes so that they go into the barrels. And then we're going to, I'll be ready to do gravel. Um, and then I'm also going to get a big water delivery, probably 2000 gallons, one for each pit just to get it started so that I can put plants in right away. 
Um, and then I'll be propagating wetland plants um, ongoing until I have enough uh, done. There's also these um, features that I want to put into the landscape upland um, that are called uh, pitch, uh, let's see, um, what's the word, silt traps. And those, those call for reed beds. So I will probably be propagating for a while um, to create my own plant material because it is very difficult to find live plant material uh, of certain kind. So anyway, so that's the main push for me is getting that done. And, um, it looks like it's moving forward. But then again, I've said that a million times to myself because he's always, this contractor is always saying like, Oh yeah, we're going to do that. I'll be there this, this time and day. And then he never does. And he, it's one of those things. I don't know if you've ever dealt with that, but, um, the only other thing that I will tell you that I forgot to tell you that is so exciting and it's kind of a major big deal. Didn't make it onto my list. I planted nine trees the other day. I'm so excited about this. Um, I got two pears in the ground. I got a plum. I got an apple in the ground. I planted my pomegranate, which is technically a shrub. Um, and I got a red bud in the ground, which are just really beautiful. And then I got a pecan tree, which is going to get huge. And I got a sycamore tree, which is going to get huge. And then there's a silver and red maple that I didn't get in the ground yet, but I think I'm going to do that more, maybe closer to the road or... I might find another spot for that, for that. And I did put one Lombardi poplar in the ground because I had prepared the hole. The way that the water boxes work is you prepare the holes the day before. And if you go to my YouTube channel, which is just zombie permaculture, um, I have video I'll be uploading about how I actually interpreted the instructions and followed them to go through the process of using these boxes to install trees in the desert. Because the instructions that I found, which were step-by-step -step with pictures, you had to download them off the web. They were separate um, from the product, but they were kind of confusing in a certain, in a few spots. So I made my best guess. And what's interesting to me is that one of the trees I purchased um, had leaves on it. And it was, it was the, uh, one of the pears. It was just leafed out early. And all the other ones don't have any leaves yet. So what's beautiful about that is it's my indicator. So I can watch that. I can take a look at that every morning, every night, you know, look at it, easily glance at it because I put these right near my, my home. And the pear, based on how that's doing and how the leaves look, I know pretty, I can be pretty sure that all the other trees are probably doing just as well because they're planted in exactly the same way and in the exact same climate and in the exact same like little microclimate region of my property. So the pear looks fantastic. It looks really happy. And one of the most beautiful things about planting trees um, was that the birds immediately came and started using that part of my property much more than they had been before there were trees there. And I was thinking about this spiritually, um, you know, or energetically even, not even spiritually, but just in terms of physics, um, you know, how do the birds know that there are trees? Like, did, do they smell them? I mean, yeah, that's probably true, but I kind of think that the trees are singing and the birds hear the song and they come and they, they want to, to listen to that song. That's really what I think it is. Because if you look at the universe, I mean, the, the word universe is, it just translates literally into one song, universe, one song. And 
all things are, you know, I mean, if, how, if you've ever come across this information, but, you know, um, all things are basically rhythm and vibration. I mean, music, math, physics, it's all just, that's what the universe is, right? I mean, that seems, seems to be pretty obvious, but you can also look at scientific experiments that show that. Um, and I think, I can't remember who did it first, but um, the one guy, like somebody hooked plants up to a, a, some kind of device that measured them, their vibrational uh movements and they were able to translate it using like the midi system or something like that and and play it to make it be a like show a music i don't know if the music is actually what they're playing but it's close enough i guess for them and um pardon me if i don't know the details of that but you could probably find it if you tried um but anyway they found that plants are basically just like total jazz musicians and they're just constantly playing music like all day and it basically it'll range from I say jazz because it ranges for, they'll be kind of jamming out in one kind of way and then they'll kind of morph into this other way and they'll kind of naturally more, it's kind of like a drum circle, I guess, in the way that, you know, they kind of just organically will shift every so often. But I listened to one of the recordings and it was, it was pretty interesting, pretty funky, cool, like groovy, like, Hey man, yeah, we're just hanging out. It's like very seventies. <laughs> but so anyway, my theory that I, th that I think I'm going with right now is that the trees are singing and the birds hear the song and that they, and they come and they, they want to be near that song because it's part of who they are and part of their heart and their soul and their identity as beings on this planet and they're like symbiotic organisms right i mean trees and birds kind of go together but i just love it it's so beautiful to see them land on the tree and um you know they're where there wasn't one before and they're totally checking it out and they're like oh okay tree oh this is cool you know and i'm sitting there going this is so cool i love seeing birds and um and hearing the bird song like i said so and at some point, I'm going to have fruit and nuts. So, yay. And I ordered apricot. I think I already mentioned this. I ordered, I'm really excited about apricots. Peaches, there's certain varieties that grow out here. Um, same with LA, by the way. There are the low chill varieties that will grow in Southern California climates. Um, but out here, we get enough chill hours. And uh, walnut. I think chestnut, although I don't remember if I ordered that or not. It's a little harder to find, but um, I can grow chestnut out here. Um, and then I think I said hazelnut, which I love. That's so awesome. I missed I missed hazel because I used to grow it in Oregon. It was so pretty. And then there was this like blight or something or this bug that they said you can't specify it anymore. And so I couldn't use it in my plans for clients for years. And then I just forgot, kind of like forgot. I gave up. I got dejected and just stopped even trying. But, um, so it'll be really fun to grow hazelnut trees. And yeah, I think that's mainly it. And then I think a fig, I think figs, I got, I ordered, I can't remember if I ordered a fig already or not, but, um, yeah. So anyway, there's more fruit coming, more nuts coming and I want to use up all my water boxes. I've got 20 of them. I might hold off on donating a tree, which is my original plan, um, because I haven't really been here long enough and I kind of want to get a better feel for the community um, and also the use of the, like the land use within the town. Because like I had mentioned in a previous episode, the hardware store closed a week before I, <laughs> I moved out here. So that is now like this flea market kind of space, I guess, twice a week. But um, it, it, it's, I, I want to kind of get a better feel for like, you know, what, what parts of the town do people hang out in? What, what do people use? What, what will actually get seen? Um, so we'll see, but, um, I, I, so I might just use up all my, my boxes this go round and then I can order more, but getting them installed was, was interesting. It was tricky, but I figured it out. Um, and 
one thing that was really amazing about the instructions was they were really well thought out in the sense that they had you, they broke it down into two different days. And I've never planted so trees that fast in my life. Even though it took two days, it went so quickly. I was able to get to my mechanic almost on time um, after planting nine trees. That's kind of amazing. I did it in just a few hours. But what you do the day before, you prepare the holes. And I did a video on this because I had to, because of just emotionally, it was hard for me. I had to push through the, the pain. Um, but it has you, they, the instructions have you dump. They say five gallons. I have two two-gallon watering cans, so I just did four. I was like, it's probably fine. They have you dump gallons of water into each hole the day before you actually plant the trees. And I was like, I'm dumping water into a hole in the desert where there's no plant. Like it was just really hard for me to do because it felt like wasting water. But what was so cool about this soil in particular, if you have like a sand desert, a uh, sandy soil desert, then they would say 10 gallons. But in a desert with clay like mine, it's five gallons because it'll hold that water a little longer. Well, what was so amazing was it took, you know, 15, 20 minutes to soak in all the way, which of course, because it's got the clay content. But then the next day, it was hydrated. The soil was hydrated. And when it has you do the next day before you plant, um, a few hours before you plant, you aerate, you kind of turn the soil to add oxygen to it. And then you would plant and that helps with the capillary action with the wick. And I learned that these boxes by actually looking into them and assembling them, finally, they've been in storage for like ever. Um, I finally get what they, how they work. They're basically just wicks. Um, but they have, of course, this ability to channel dew. So... I'm already doing wick technology with like recycled, you know, plastic jugs from like juice bottles and whatever I can get my hands on. Um, but so these are really fancy, high tech, um, kind of expensive, I guess, um, but really worth it. Um, wicking technologies with the capability of harvesting and channeling dew, which is really pretty awesome. And then I have the separate tree protectors that I bought. Um, and then I today arrived the paint. Uh, it's like a latex that the that the one of the lady who sold me the trees at the nursery um in the kind of the bigger town a little farther away um she said it, i should really paint them to protect them from insects and sunburn and stuff like that so i'll be doing that as well um but yeah i've got my little orchard going it's really exciting so i think that actually is everything that's probably a good explanation of all the things that i'm working on and have and that have happened um, and thanks for listening and, you know, please let me know what you think. Um, let me know if you have recommendations or requests, suggestions. Um, let me know how you liked the interview that we did last week. Um, I plan on doing more interviews as I find people I'd like to interview, but the main gist will be the land transformation and do go to the YouTube. Um, I did get all my uh, what do you call it? My video of the RV renovation finally in one place and, uh, put into, you know, like edited, um, and then I'll be uploading those. So you can see the renovation that I did with the RV and that portion of that was season one. You can see the videos that go along with it. And then I'll be having videos on my channel for that go along with this season where it's more land. It's more about the land and the land renovation and plants and everything that I've been talking about in, in this, you know, ep, uh, season, um, other than the politics <laughs> that I occasionally uh, talk about. But yeah, thanks for listening and have a great week.